Hey family, you're listening to Let's Grow with Jeff Whitaker, where I aim to offer practical wisdom and spiritual advice for personal growth. On this episode of Let's Grow, I had the pleasure of speaking with Pastor Ronaldo Hardy as we talked about growing through grief. We addressed some of the misinterpretations of grief and things we can do to better process this emotion that everyone at some point in their life faces. This is a discussion we all can glean from. So let's grow now and let's grow together. Let's grow, let's grow, let's grow. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode of Let's Grow. Listen, if you find that the content of this podcast is adding value to your life in any way, I encourage you to rate it, subscribe to it, and share it with others. My goal is to offer practical wisdom and spiritual advice for your personal growth. And every time you share this podcast with someone else, it makes this goal possible. So thank you in advance uh, for connecting others with this content. I appreciate all of those who follow and those who will come aboard as a result of your generous uh, generosity in, in spreading the word. Listen, today I am privileged to be with my brother, Pastor Ronaldo Hardy, affectionately known as Pastor Roe. He is the lead campus pastor of All Nations Worship Assembly, Baton Rouge, and New Orleans, and a sought-after leadership expert around the world. Um, I'm blessed to have him on the show today as he will give us what I believe is necessary language on how to grow through grief. If you're listening to this, I know you saw the title that was on the podcast when you were scrolling through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Growing Through Grief. This is something we have all been dealing with considering the year and a half that the year and a half we have experienced. So uh, grief is something so many people are struggling to steward. And I believe with some healthy practices, which I believe Ro will share, share with us today based on his own experiences and his story, uh, we can all can better uh, deal with this powerful emotion. So Ro, I'm so glad to have you on the Let's Grow podcast. Thank you for uh, taking the time to connect, man. How you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling real good, man. I um, have been busy like I was telling you earlier doing yeah. a lot of things but I do not complain at all because I am fortunate to be able to run in the lanes that I am allowed to run in so I'm doing good and I'm glad to have you in particular because uh you are a leader of leaders and you manage so many different lanes so like so many people who I believe will listen to this and the interesting thing about it uh those who have a demand on their life whether it's in the marketplace or in ministry or or media whatever it is we have not uh, really been been able to really stop, uh, particularly considering the year that we've had. We've had to keep going and pushing through. Of course, being wise with knowing moments that it was just a little too much for us. But I'm really glad to have you on because you've been directly impacted uh, with uh, COVID-19, how it has impacted your family. I want you to kind of share uh, with our audience um, your experience, man, and, and why we're even talking about grief, not just from a theoretical place, but from an experimental place, because you've actually gone through uh, loss within uh, this last year. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey through grief, man, and let's kind of get right into the conversation. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, my name is Ronaldo Hardy, and uh, I have the pleasure of uh, moving in different lanes by way of ministry and corporate America and impacting the lives of people. My personal mission statement is to change the world by building people who will change the world. And at the core, my passion is people building. So thank you for inviting me today. To no problem. Because this is con- consistent with why I exist. Right. Um, 2020, I would tell you, was a very uh, 
miserable year for me and definitely caught me off guard. I did not go into the year expecting to lose my mother. Um, yeah. My mom was 56 years old. Um, she contracted COVID on the early end of it. So she got, she contracted COVID sometime in March of 2020. Uh, March 27th of uh, 2020, she was placed in the hospital. And immediately on that day, I say immediately, but on that same day, yeah. she was placed on a ventilator. Uh, many of us didn't know, or I, I know most of us are educated now on ventilators. I don't know about you. I didn't know a lot about them yeah, me neither. prior to going through this journey. So I did not know my mom being placed on a ventilator meant that she would be sedated, meant that she would be paralyzed. It meant that we would lose all communication with her. Wow. Um, so we then entered into this 11-day journey of my mom being on a ventilator, believing God for our healing. I mean, thousands of people around the country praying yeah. for her. You, I'm sure you remember my journey. Right. I posted out daily. Tons of people were connected to what, were, what was happening in her story. And on April 6th of 2020, she passed yeah. to COVID. And it hit me in a way that I cannot explain. Anyone who knows me and have known me for a long time knows that um, most people would say I model resilience. And yeah. uh, it's something that's very strong in my family. And so we model resilience very well, that bounce back ability being super strong. Right. This is one time that I was hit with something that really knocked me down right. severely. And I learned that our perception of grief uh, is often very wrong right. and very off on what it actually is. Yeah. And, and so there's been so much that I've learned by having gone through this journey. And I will tell you, there's definitely levels to grief. Like if you're listening in and you've lost a grandparent, unless that grandparent has operated in your life as a parent, I right. can tell you for a fact that the level of that loss does not compare to the level of losing a parent or right. losing, I haven't lost a child, but I, I know that's a higher level, losing a spouse, right? right? Those things are higher. And so what I found on grief, and I know we got some different directions to go in this. Oh, it's all good, man. But what I found on grief is that many people try to operate with others in their lives who are grieving from the vantage point of their level of experience. Right. So they have not lost anyone they have nothing to compare to. Exactly. If they've lost, but they haven't lost on that level, right. many times they're trying to serve someone who's grieving at a level that's not adequate because right. they're comparing it to the level of loss they've encountered. That's good. Uh, so as your level of loss goes up, your level of understanding and subsequently empathy as a result of it increases as well. Do you feel like, and that's a good point, do you feel as if you were able to more relate with uh, someone who not just lost a parent, but more so were there people in your life who unexpectedly, because it's like you said, this was not something that you expected. Not many people expected to lose the loved ones that they lost um, during this period. So would you say that you found some type of consolation by uh, connecting with those who at some point in their life unexpectedly lost a parent? Was the conversations more relatable and relevant to your point? Because they could kind of like match the level of grief that you were experiencing? Absolutely. So for me, I definitely had to find people who had experienced loss at the level in which I had. Yeah. Uh, so I, for a period, I only really spoke to people 
who had parental loss, spousal loss, child loss. It had to be immediate family right. uh, in order to get a better sense of what I was up against. You know, I, I got some really good advice from a few people who said, you're going to grieve the rest of your life. That completely went against the theology of many believers. Right. Uh, and I will tell you, I, I know this is sound crazy for me to say as a pastor, but church people are the most frustrating to deal with. In <laughs> right. The, I was like, let me tell you something. I understand and I appreciate your scripture. That's right. on your part. You go read it. Right. I appreciate your prayer. You go in your prayer closet and right. read it for the Lord. Don't right. call me ready to speak in tongues and pray and don't send me your favorite scripture. I know those scriptures and I know how to pray. And I'm actually mad with God right now. Right. So leave me alone. All right. Right. <laughs> so right. I did find that people who had encountered loss at the level in which I was encountering it understood it more. Absolutely. Right. And this is good. Uh, it kind of leads me into another question that I have because I was one of those people who uh, was praying uh, along with, of course, the collective and our apostle, our chief shout out to Apostle Matthew Stevenson. Um, I was one of those individuals and, you know, like everybody, and of course, like your family, you know, we had faith and we believed. And some would think now that because you're grieving or because you're upset with God or because you're mad with God, like so many of us have been, but may have not publicly actually expressed that, um, you didn't have faith at all or because you don't want to really hear the normal church uh, lingo that you're, you know, you're uh, blaspheming or something to that degree. What would you say are some of the greatest deceptions of grief that people tend to believe things that we believe, Oh, because you don't, because you're grieving, you don't have any faith in God or because, Oh, it's been a year or so and you haven't recovered in certain, in certain emotional places. Oh, you don't have faith in God. I think that's deceptive in nature because I believe the Bible says God is one who could be touched with every feeling that we have. Right. Yes. So what would you say uh, are some deceptions of grief that people hold on to? That's just absolutely not true. That's one of them. So like, so people will be like, you know, first of all, it's like, give it to God. He'll work it out. Okay. Right. Th that's stupid. Okay. I right. hear what you're saying. And I know that that sounds good, but it's stupid. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and for all of you listening, I'm probably one of the, probably one of the more blunt pastors. Ruffle their feathers, bro. I, I Ruffle their feathers. Absolutely ignorant. And one of the things I do, I'll take people to the scripture with Jesus the loss of Lazarus. Right. When he loses Lazarus and he's sitting there with Mary and Martha and he's discussing with them what he's really Jesus knows I'm about to go through this process of raising Lazarus from the dead. Right. But the significance of the loss still hits him. Right. And because the significance of the loss still hits him, one of the shortest scriptures in the Bible that we all know and we all right. say, Jesus, Jesus well, well right. Comes a manifestation. Right. It's weeping. You think he was weeping because he was about to raise Lazarus from the, from the dead? No, exactly. he was weeping because he was impacted by the loss. Right. When he knew that he still had the hope of gaining him back. Right. So if Jesus is crying over someone's death who he knows he's bringing back, how much more do you think I will be impacted? Right. By the loss of someone who I'm not getting back. And another thing that I think that, and I'm about to mess some theology up right here. Mess him, mess him up, man. <laughs> people say, we're going to see him in the sweet by and by. I don't know that. Right. Who been to heaven? <laughs> Who been to heaven?
Who been to heaven? Mary Baxter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No shade. No shade. No shade. So, you know, you can't tell me right. for a fact that I'm going to see my mama again because I'm right. Not- that right in heaven who knows what that's going to look like you know our focus is different Um, right so we're not guaranteed something so that's another deception i think in the body it's like you're going to see him again how do we know that right Right. um you know i think that as a leader and in particular a pastor too you know a lot of times one of the things i don't like about the way in which pastoring has been done for so long is because in the previous generation, it was in order for me to ascertain the level of respect that I need to get as a pastor, then I need to be able to project perfection as much much as I possibly can. Right. And so it was not necessarily popular in some circles that as a pastor, I was being real about the fact that I am grieving. This is hard. Some days I feel like I'm losing my mind. Right. You know, I had to deal with not being able to say goodbye to my mother, her dying in a hospital alone. This is traumatic. Right. There's also grief that's unfamiliar for many people because we haven't seen a pandemic. Right. So like the sudden loss of a loved one in this way is traumatic. And so me being real about it as a leader went against the grain. Uh, I know you've known me a while uh, know yeah. and been able to watch and know like my, my style and leadership is transparency. Right. So I'm okay with being like, this is what I'm going through because I feel the most effective leadership is to let you know I'm journeying through the same thing. And this is how I'm navigating. Yeah. Um, so these are fallacies that I see in the body of Christ. Uh, and then another one being our thought process on therapy and the dismissal of it because of the elevation of deliverance when you really can still have both. Right. And and I I totally agree with that um, concept of therapy and deliverance. Um, I believe deliverance speaks to the spiritual nature of who we are. I believe therapy speaks to our soul, our mind, our will, the emotions. And I think both are necessary for holistic healing um, within the individual. And speaking of therapy, I, I would say, well, it's been a year and about four months since your mom went home to be with the Lord. I'm sure because you can't just stop life altogether, you've had to find uh, some practical ways to deal with your grief. Uh, what would you say are, of course, therapy, um, you know, additional things that you do? What would you say are some practical ways that we can deal with our grief as leaders, as those who are still in demand, um, as those who are trying to grow them themselves, but also are helping others to grow, whether it be a pastor or a leader or someone in that particular occupation. Uh, what, what have you done or found to be helpful over the last year or so? So I'll say, get real about the fact that it's a journey. One of the things that helped me out was, you know, I told you, you know, people told me you're going to grieve the rest of your life. Uh, and then many of them prepared me for the first year to be pure hell, and they were not wrong. Right. Uh, it was absolutely hell. And so then they said the second year would be still be hard, but you start getting used to your new norms. And then after the first two years, you settle into what life is going to look like, and you, but you still grieve the rest of your life. Yeah. So that really helped me uh, to have that perspective. Therapy has been a saving grace for me since June of last year. I started therapy. I go every week and I still go every week and I will not stop. There's no reason for me to stop. Um, I think that it is healthy to have a therapist ongoing, especially in our roles, you know, right. 
um, two of the top four careers for um, burnout, being a CEO and uh, also being a pastor, of right. which I've two of the four careers, you know, right. simultaneously too. So uh, that's that's one of the things of just recognizing the need for therapy. Right. Uh, for me, also understanding the power of community. A lot of times, people fall into isolation in moments that they really need other people. Right. And so, but you can't, your community has to be designed appropriately. Like it needs to be designed according to what you need. Uh, and I have mine designed in that way. I know my people who I can fall into when I'm in certain spaces and that helps me a whole lot. Self-care is another component. Like I really know what I need and when, when I need stuff, I do it. Right. Uh, when I need a weekend away and I just, I need to be away from my home for a weekend, I do it. Call up one of my guys and say, let's go. You know, I do what's necessary to keep me healthy. I've had very um, open conversations with my wife about where I stand. You know, I've had open conversations with my children um, so that we all are on the same page. And I think it's one of those one rare moments that people have gotten a chance to see me live out loud a moment of weakness, um, but move forward through it and yeah. and I'm still moving forward through it like yeah. I was very transparency last transparently last night uh one of the things I had to do because I had one of those weird moments thinking about my mom and I have this blanket that I have this collage of her on it and I grabbed it and sometimes that's the only thing that makes me feel the closest to a hug from her you know so yeah man and and I'm bro I'm so glad that number one I'm transparent too so this just does something for me it, I, to it, for me, when, when a person is transparent, it, gi- it gives us the how-tos um, yeah. and not just something that we think sounds good. Um, because more pastors and more leaders of people need to be able to do the practical things. Oftentimes, things that we share with other people, we don't, yeah. take, we don't take it um, in for ourselves. So the self-care and the seeing a therapist, you know, because I'm only 35, but growing up, you know, that was frowned upon. Everything yeah. had to be done at the altar. Yeah. <laughs> Everything had to be done in the four walls of the church. But I, I think there, there's been a heightened awareness of, of the importance of taking care of your mental health. Um, yeah. I, I lost a mentor this year who was very close to me uh, in, at the beginning of the year, January 31st. And uh, my wife, lost her father um, in 2019 before we came into uh, the pandemic and she lost her grandmother um, in the pandemic. So uh, we took a sabbatical from church. Actually, we don't go back um, until I don't begin preaching again until next Sunday. Uh Um, And a lot of people may not have understood it, you know, push through. And I'm like, man, if if I don't pull away emotional turmoil that I'm dealing with now, I'm not ever going to probably preach again or even desire to be in a pulpit because I'm only as good for you as I have been good for myself. And I think more leaders need to take that concept of self-care, uh, mental health seriously so that we can be better to others, which leads me to another question. As a leader of people, man, how do you help others get through grief while dealing with your own? Because I know, you know, your church has been gracious and they've given you some time off uh, when you've needed it, but you know, we have to get back in the ring. So even with you still processing, and I honestly believe that 
my personal philosophy is that you don't ever get over grief. You just learn how to better steward it. Um, Because when you've loved someone, to me, getting over grief is almost like, you know, forgetting about that person. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't forget about people who were significantly, who were significant parts of your life. So what, what have you done to continue to help others get through grief while still dealing with your own? You know what? For me, it's like, continue to be honest about my own journey and story. Yeah. And because I am so public with my grief, I would tell you, I am routinely contacted now by grieving people. Um, And so I'm just honest about my own journey and my story and, you know, I don't let anybody change that, you know, um, and I get people together quick. You know, <laughs> people have tried to tell me, oh, brother, you need to stand in faith. Oh, brother, you need to give it to Oh, brother. Oh, brother, you need to be quiet. Right. And you need to let me journey. And right. uh, and I will ask them, you lost your mama. Right. No. OK. Come back and talk to me. If, if exactly. you, right. <laughs> We're not talking. You know, I was saying I was sharing this about Shikari recently because you know, right. so on her so hard. Yeah. I know this girl is grieving. Right. She has no reason she should be even competing. There's no way I could have even tried with the strong resilience I have to compete at that level with this level of grief. Right. And so for me, the way I help others while I'm grieving is, you know, I tell my own story. I'm honest about my journey and I keep it real. And I will tell you this. I do not over spiritualize grief. Right. So like one of the first things I tell my people when they reach out to me, even if they're from the church, I say, well, I'm not about to give you any scripture. <laughs> but we're not going to pray right now unless you ask me to. I'll pray for you when I'm away from here. Right. But you need to know that it's okay for you to cry, be upset, angry, pissed off, whatever you want to feel. Right. It's okay. You are entitled to feel that way because this is hard. And this journey is going to be one of the most difficult that you'll ever encounter. What I can tell you is you'll get through it. Days will get better but they're going to still be hard. And that level of honesty, what I needed, I needed people to be real with me like that. So I'm choosing to do the same for others. Right. And that's good because oftentimes people will continue to pull on your performance and ignore your pain. Uh, They'll look for you to keep performing. I need from you what I need. You'll be all right. And I think sometimes people want us to heal at a faster rate so that we can be a, a benefit to them, to their, uh, to their degree of need from us. And yeah. I don't think, I don't think that's fair. I do think the fair thing is like you said, being transparent with them, letting them know where you are and then helping them as best as uh, you can, as you continue to process your own things. I I, I know you've learned a lot um, through this last year, and I'm sure you could give a plethora of different uh, lessons that you've learned from grief, but what would you say um, as we kind of wrap the conversation up, man, what is the greatest lesson grief has taught you um, over this last year or so? It brought a new balance to my now and next, right? Okay. So uh, what I mean by that is uh, I've always been a very driven person, right? Yeah. And I have typically been ahead of schedule, like in life, right? What most people would consider I should be by a certain age, I've typically been moving past that. right? Um, but there were so many things too that I would say, you know, when I retire, I'm gonna do this. Or when I retire, I'm gonna do that. When I have to consider the fact that my mom passed at 56, she did not reach retirement age. Right. And so I really started bringing into my now a little bit more of what I wanted in my life. You know what I mean? I decided that I went and bought a Porsche. I know we mostly say Porsche. Yeah. The way to say it is Porsche. Right. right. <laughs> uh, it's still weird when I no say No speeding. 
You know, I tried it, right? You know, speeding. <laughs> but I went and bought one in July of last year because, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, I was like, either I want a Porsche right now, a Tesla. And typically I would have said, well, I don't need this right now. I'll wait. Then I was like, I have the means. What am I waiting on? Oh, let's like, live. Live now. Right. I'm going to live because I'm not guaranteed a year from now. I'm not guaranteed two days from now. Right. I'm not guaranteed anything. Right. And so it brought a stronger balance to my now and next where I'm allowing myself more, more enjoyment in the now um, that I still care about the next legacy is important to me, but it's not outweighing the now they're both equally important. And that's the biggest lesson I've gotten. And that's so important, man, because um, you know, I'm vaccinated and I mean, today I tell people now, I, cause I don't even do with the, the, um, arguments, uh, that so many people have on social media, I, but what that has let me know is that the way things are that we have this Delta variant. Now I'm just living every day, every day, every single day, because nothing is guaranteed. Even being, I was mentioning being vaccinated because nothing's guaranteed. <laughs> Anything man-made is not guaranteed. Um, so, you know, I tell, I tell my wife, you know, you know, I'm living and I tell people all the time, I'm taking it one day at a time and enjoying the life that God has given me because you just never know, man. Uh, you, you never know. It's best that you love today, forgive today, that you reconcile today and that you enjoy the day that God has given us, man. Bro, I, I man, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, you sharing uh, not just your mind, but your heart. Um, and I'm praying for you, man, and and praying for those who are still dealing with grief and those who will have to uh, come down this 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 path at some point in their life. Um, there were many things that I believe you conveyed to help give language to those listening who are looking for ways to better deal with their grief. Um, and I'm thankful for you, man. Uh, there's so much more to your life than what this small interview um, has revealed, man. If someone wanted to connect with you and stay up to date with the amazing things that are continually happening in your life, um, how do they go about doing so? What's your Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, <laughs> and all that good stuff? Follow me on Instagram at Ronaldo Hardy, R-O-N-A-L-D-O-H-A-R-D-Y. You can also find me on Facebook the same way, at Ronaldo Hardy. Um, and you can also visit my website, RonaldoHardy.com. Uh, so either way, you can get in touch with me. My website kind of brings all of everything together. together. Gotcha. With, but, uh, but I would say IG probably is my space of choice. Uh, you know, it just yeah. depends on the day on where I'm going to be active, you know. Right. <laughs> and you all stay. The reason why I tell you all to stay uh, up to date is because Road continues to share his journey. And you can get uh, additional nuggets and things. Uh, from following him on social media uh, very helpful to anyone that's uh, journeying through grief uh, man I'm looking for a book I, I don't even know if you're working on it but I'm looking for a book to come soon hopefully in the future row uh, there'll be an amazing absolutely thing. and uh, they can pick out the project in between I put out an album please please check oh, out he can he can sing y'all we need to get on the <laughs> and talents and things of that degree but he he's a definitely not just a gift to the body of christ but a gift to life uh listen family if you haven't already be sure to subscribe to this podcast because i'd rather grow with you than than grow alone be also sure to follow me on instagram let's grow jeff um i'd love to connect with you until next time bro thank you again man uh give my love to your wife and your children and uh let's keep growing together man let's do it (laughs) everybody i'll talk to you all soon y'all be blessed